0: I'm a grind and go What's up everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new. Something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all know me. What's up? Uh, what's up, Reg? Sid, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. So this will be... Hopefully be the first uh, actual video version of the show that we get to put out. Uh, So that's exciting. Um, Happy holidays to everybody. Hope everybody was able to enjoy their Christmas. Um, And we had the rare Christmas football game last week uh, featuring none other than the New Orleans Saints taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I know we saw this game playing out a little differently, but the result being the same. Yeah. Uh so, so what was your thoughts about the game?
1: Uh Minnesota was able to run the ball earlier. Like I said, they would be able to do. Uh Delvin Cook, he's kind of different than most running backs. He I really have him in an elite level. He's probably a top five back in football. And I feel like anytime we play one of those guys, we got to worry about the run a little bit more than we normally do. Um, I think Minnesota was pretty sharp. Although that game got ugly, it was kind of close for for you know most of the game. Uh going into halftime score was 14-24 and I think we felt a little relaxed as fans like this is what we expected. But then Minnesota turned it on and then the beginning of the fourth quarter they were only the trailing four points, 27-31. Kirk Cousins was phenomenal. He didn't put the ball in harm's way. Uh and they they had a steady dose of the run to keep us on our toes, but ultimately um, the lack of their playmakers to me is what really uh, caused them to, to fall to us uh, ultimately. Once, you know, they fell off in the fourth quarter uh, and they had to give us the ball, we really didn't look back and it was touchdown after touchdown after that point.
0: Absolutely. Um, like you say, Devin Cook definitely had it going early on. I want to say he got out to a quick 50 yards blink of an (laughs) eye and and (laughs) i was like man i saw it coming (laughs) a real quick 50 yards like you say once we once we did bottle up the run it was harder for them to be able to get their receivers uh and those playmakers open to make a difference um Uh, like you say though the bike the vikings i did not expect us to give up 33 points to the vikings Mm-hmm. Um, Their O-line did a good job They gave up two sacks uh, And like you said, Kirk Cousins didn't put the ball in harm's weight um, But they should have never put up 33 points against us And I guess that's just uh, <laughs> That's just an indictment on our defensive line And our pass rush uh, in that game But all in all, it didn't matter <laughs> uh, 52-33 uh, Did it on Kamara's back Six touchdowns, 155 rushing yards mm-hmm. Uh, so that, like I said, the result, we had the result correct. It just, it it was, it was a little tighter than what we thought it would be through most of that game.
1: And, you know, even at 33 points, if you, if you factor in our offense scored almost every time they touched the football. Yeah. You're not doing nothing but giving another team the ball right back. Yeah. So if this would have been a typical Drew Brees two touchdowns, Evan Kamara touchdown, we kick a few field goals, this could have easily been a 27-10 ball game. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll be like, oh yeah, this is what we thought. But since we had 52, they just got more opportunities to score, which they were able to do. So uh, I, I didn't make a big deal of us giving up 33. Uh, what, what was your takes from the game? What what was the things that you thought played huge factors in limiting Minnesota?
0: In limiting Minnesota. Like I say, the, we talked about it last week. Your biggest thing is to bottle up David Cook. If you can control what he's contributing, you can control the whole game. Because the last thing you – what you hope for is to be able to put a Kirk Cousins in a situation where you have to be the one to beat us. Like and so many kids have on. done. Yeah, yeah. You, you're going to have to throw this football in order to beat us. And even with the talent that they have at receiver over there, our secondary has been able to play where well, our pass rush has allowed our secondary to be mm-hmm. able to play lifestyle football, basically. And even without the pass rush being there on Christmas, secondary was still able to, to play. Uh, right. You know, so and and that's what it really came down to. Once you bottle up and take away Dalvin Cook, you should be set. Because Terry right. Cousins beat you, then that's a that's a whole other thing. We need to be worried <laughs> we'll about Cousins going forward. Uh, right, so the biggest thing was bottling up Dalvin Cook, and they were able to do that, like you say, uh, after what it was about the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So
1: that, and, a- and you touched on you touched on you said uh, we were able to to limit Delvin Cook running, but the O line wasn't explosive as they normally are, and I think that's because Minnesota came in saying we're going to get the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands yeah. fast. The only thing that – the only downfall to that game plan is once the things go up a couple, a couple possessions, it's hard to play from behind yeah. if you're Minnesota. Uh, one thing that I took away from that game that I, I noticed was I've been watching a lot of Jefferson. Uh, he's going to win probably offensive rookie of the year. He's been great. Uh, he's been a threat. Even when he's not catching 50-yard bombs, he's drawing uh, pass interference calls on the defense. Yeah. Marshawn Lattimore is the player that I love to hate for the New Orleans Saints I'm a huge fan of him um I I always have his back but I always find myself putting him down when he plays bad this was a great game from from Marshawn Lattimore the only time we heard Jefferson name being called was in zone coverage but whenever Lattimore had him especially going downfield Lattimore couldn't have played better defense than he did uh, on Christmas Day
0: Yeah, and another huge thing, which is something that I look for every week when we're playing, is the penalties. There was only four penalties. Uh, There was only seven in between the two teams in general. But Mm -hmm. for us to to only have committed four penalties, man, we get into some games, the penalties is what keeps drives alive for the team and the penalties in the end. So to see the penalties that were only four, and uh, I can't remember any of them being – anything huge i think there was one pass interference uh i think there was one pass interference late but besides that i don't think the penalties really uh gave them anything um so man that was like i say 33 points is a lot but besides that man it was it was a pretty flawless game uh for the saints um, so
1: the, oh, i'm sorry go ahead so you I, I was just going to throw out there the the talk for for a few games this year for the Saints have been grading Taysom Hill or saying how well or how bad he has played. Now that Drew Brees is back in, all those talks go away. Yeah. However, Drew Brees, to me, didn't have a stellar game, and that's with us uh, scoring 52 points. Yeah. If you look at his numbers, he was very accurate with the football. Mm-hmm. I think Drew went – What do you, I got it right here uh, – 19 for twenty-six. And yeah. you go, that's pretty good. Well, he went over 300 yards. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. No touchdowns, two INTs. Yeah. I don't like that from Drew Brees. I feel like that that's something that, that I should see from Taysom here. That Minnesota did nothing That because Drew Brees was clean all game. He didn't get sacked. He, mm-hmm. he he had a clean game. Yeah. So how was it possible to throw two INTs? And both of them was his fault. It
0: wasn't like he won't. Uh, he I, I don't give him – I don't give him uh... – blame for that second interception or one that went off Emmanuel Sanders hands. I don't I don't I don't blame one me. go. Yeah, oh, one okay. of, one of them Emmanuel Sanders should have caught and it, and it ended up going through his hands.
1: Okay, I thought he had I thought he had two blatant interceptions. Not, I, I my fault. Okay. All right, yeah. cool. Uh I still don't remember that he meant you saying this <laughs> interception but it was Christmas so <laughs> but uh yeah I don't even remember that one I, I thought he had two uh actually go- going uh, across the middle kind of forcing it how he did with the out route last week uh in KC so but I just don't I just don't want to see him turn the ball over uh other than that uh he had a good game and, and like I said the deeper we get into the playoffs, this is when teams need to get hot. And we definitely need to get hot right now. Uh, and get back healthy. So um, if Drew can limit the turnovers and we can run the ball, because we didn't even talk about Latavius Murray, who had a great game. 12 yeah. rushes, 72 yards, yep. averaging six yards a pop. So if we if if everyone's gonna play like that, we definitely have to find a way to limit the the turnovers if we want success in the in the playoffs
0: and I definitely agree if you want to talk about like I said, I give him blame for one interception that one early on Um, and if you want to you know blame him for that then that's cool but uh, him not ha- him not <laughs> having any passing touchdowns don't bother me because Kamara had six like Correct. if your running game <laughs> will be you know like that then right. I care less about you throwing touchdowns than not but like you say we definitely don't want to be in a position where we giving the ball away especially in the postseason Definitely.
1: Well, the last thing I want to touch about uh, the Saints in general, something that um, actually happened during the course of this game, we have lost Kwan Alexander, who has been a huge addition to our defense, our locker room. Uh, he just made us overall better. Uh, how do you see us adjusting that situation going forward?
0: So, when we brought in Kwan Alexander, it wasn't we didn't bring him in because of need. I feel like it was he's there to be had, and yeah, he will improve us, so let's get him. But I don't think we necessarily needed him. I feel uh, I feel fine going back to playing Ancelone more um, because he was doing he was doing a great job uh, being there as well. So it definitely hurts because, like you say, he had definitely started to get into his rhythm. And had started picking up, uh, especially in the past game, because I know we had some concerns early on when he, for those first couple mm-hmm. of games he played, he mm-hmm. didn't look good. But he was definitely coming around uh, in the past game too. So losing him definitely hurts. But like I say, I don't think, I don't think that where we were before we got him was a bad place. Like I say, I really like Ezaloni and what he was able to give us. So I think plugging him right back into that, that'll that'll be fine.
1: And I and just like yourself, I looked at it more like an insurance uh, mm-hmm. uh, trade, basically. Uh, if he plays a lot cool, if Alex only continue to play a lot cooler, if they share snaps, cool, whatever. Yeah. But I feel like it was a, a pickup for a situation like this. But I had Alex and, and Loney going down like he normally always do. And you got a guy sitting there, Kawhi Alexander, that's used to playing, uh, you know, large rows on defense that he can step right in and fill yeah. that void. So we're not as bad as other teams are right now, currently in a situation like Pittsburgh, who's actually missing two and three linebackers. And that's the whole uh, core of their defense. That's where it yeah. lies at front seven. Yeah. So, you
0: know, uh, it's going to be a huge loss, but I believe we definitely can get over it. And that win finally, uh, after what losing two straight, we finally were able to clinch the NFC South uh, yeah. for the fourth fourth year in a row, which is crazy because mm-hmm. just four years ago, we were talking about how it had been so long in the NFC South mm-hmm. with a single yeah. team winning back-to-back. Yeah. And now we've strung along four straight and uh, eliminated Minnesota from the playoffs uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Think so they were was,
1: eliminated before we got to them, Bill.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a bonus. Um, right. So what game do you want to jump to next? Uh, this-
1: the to me the best matchup uh, over the weekend for this this week of football was Tennessee and Pittsburgh. Uh, that was a game that had a high that had a lot of uh, upside to it that uh, meant something for us. The playoff seeding goes in the AFC. Uh, it was a highly anticipated game. Uh, what did you get from that game?
0: Uh, Tennessee Green Bay. No, uh, Coach oh, Pittsburgh. Colts Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So, me and you talked about that game uh, off air early on while it was going on. <laughs> oh. and, and the Coach was sitting 21 7. They were sitting pretty. Right. Um, the first thing that caught my eye about that game was uh, Pittsburgh's first possession. They came out and and tried to be aggressive, and they right. threw three passes, yeah. uh, three passes that ended up going nowhere, and then all of a sudden, like it's at halftime, it's twenty one seven. And you're like, well, <laughs> what that's hey. it for Pittsburgh? Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's it for Pittsburgh, because what we keep talking about is their struggles uh with a run game and drop passes, um, and then of course the injuries, injuries yep. have hit them pretty hard. Yeah. Um. So, for this is something I wasn't expecting out of Pittsburgh. I thought the Colts was going to run away with this game uh, even before it started. And to see them up 21-7, I was -hmm. like, yeah, it's over with. Like, even if if the Colts don't score again, I don't see them allowing Pittsburgh to claw back into this. And, man, uh, what James Conner played had five attempts. Uh, Snell played had six attempts. (laughs) Zero Uh, yards. Yeah, as a team. They put up what tw- 14 attempts on the ground. So for and Big Ben threw 49 times, which you don't want. Like I don't I don't care what team you are. Right. And we've been seeing that a lot this year too. Uh but yeah, Big Ben threw almost fifty times. That's crazy to me. But his yeah. receiver showed up down the line. That um That defense was able to get more pressure in the second half than they were in the first half. Uh, T.J. Watt, who is was the sack leader in the league, I think, at this point, uh, he had two sacks. Two, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, the, the receivers came through for him. Juju Smith ended up with 96 yards. Deontay Johnson had 75. Claypool had 54. Uh, Ebron and Connor both had over 40. Mm-hmm. So when you're able to get to so many different targets and they're actually being reliable for you, because like I said, that's been the question all season. Are these receivers going to not drop these passes? Is Big, Big Ben going to have enough time? Uh, he only got sacked once on Sunday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not going to get to them And They have good receivers. They just don't always catch the ball. So if you're going to give Big Ben time uh, to throw the football, mm-hmm. those receivers eventually going to catch these passes. And that's what happened Sunday. They weren't able to get the pressure. And then <laughs> Pittsburgh's defense picked up in the yep. second half as well. That's, that's exactly
1: what happened. So you spoke on um, how limited Pittsburgh was rushing the ball against the Colts. Um, it was horrible. It was a bad sight to see because the game was so lopsided. Although the score was only, I think 14, nothing at one point, it yeah. felt so much more worse than that. And I remember at one point texting you, I think it was the close to the end of the second or early third. And I was like, yeah, it's over. They done. Yeah. Like, you know, this game yeah. is over. And, Soon as my finger hit sin, it's like Pittsburgh just completely turned things around. Uh, And they took control of this game. So one thing they they was consistent with was uh, causing Phillip Rivers to set his feet and didn't have to reset his feet to get rid of the ball, which caused the coach to speed up the offense for us. Instead of looking downfield, we're going to do everything quick. Everything is going to be dragged. Everything's going to be underneath. And I think that came back to bite the Colts um, later in that game because they kept it so bland, Pittsburgh was able to make plays to get back in the ball game. Pittsburgh D-line was phenomenal from from start to finish. Uh, Anytime you got, you know, T.J. White on on your side of the ball, good things are going to happen. But they were able to sack uh, Phillip Rivers five times uh, that game, and their defense played a huge part. And clawing back, you know, into this game because they had to keep getting stops yep. uh, and and giving Big Ben uh, other opportunities with the ball. And we spoke about like the success that he that Big Ben had with his receivers, but when you look at it, it all was underneath things. Everything mm-hmm. that he threw was was still underneath. Juju had ninety six yards on nine catches. Yeah, uh, you spoke with Johnson, eight catches, seventy five yards. So it wasn't like you know someone just started, you know running by DBs and safeties. Pittsburgh actually clawed their way back into this game. And it just takes me back to a conversation we had on one of the earlier shows about, you know, how I told you I don't have belief in the coats. And yeah. this is this is one of those reasons I feel like out of all the true contenders in the AFC, the coats when healthy, are the team that would allow one of the, the better AFC teams to sneak back in the game. I think... Um, I think Pittsburgh went healthy. They they closed the door on teams if they up 14-17 points because I think at the beginning of the third, uh, this game was 24-14. So this coach team went into the fourth quarter with a 10-point with a 10-point lead and couldn't maintain. Um, and, and this is why I don't I don't think that they have a closer. And when you say well you have to be able to run the ball to win these, these kind of games, the coach was able to run the ball. They had great success all all night running the ball, and it still happened. So, do you think they will continue to have these struggles uh, in the playoffs, or the do you think they can fix it?
0: The Colts, Colts. Um. So this is my thing. I, I I agree with you. I agree with you that out of the AFC contenders, the Colts are definitely the team that's most capable of giving up a ten plus lead, uh, even if even if it's in the fourth quarter. And this uh, was because. The
1: a team that's been
0: struggling offensive, offensive seven games like this where it's like you say they got to twenty one points early and then the offense stalled mm-hmm. and they do that they do that a good bit their offense can be hitting on all cylinders for one half and then turn around and give you nothing another half they're just inconsistent like that and their defense is going to keep you in it but once again you keep putting your defense out there over and over and over again eventually right. they're gonna wear out. Mm-hmm. Um, I still believe that. Is, I still believe in the Colts. Um, not to, like I said, I don't think they're gonna get to a Super Bowl personally. Um, but when it comes to, I would still trust the Colts more than Pittsburgh
1: okay. at this. Point. That's at, at this point. That's not counting injuries.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I, I still, I still would trust the Colts more just because even like you say, James Carter was out this Sunday and it was what five rushes for 20 yards. And Mm -hmm. I know once you get, you know, once you get down a good bit, they're running, you have to run the football less, but to run the ball on the 15 times in a game for Pittsburgh, that's more of a look. We just can't run the ball more than anything else. Right. And the lack of a run game, um, as it gets colder out there in Pittsburgh, you know, as it gets colder out, as teams like Buffalo and Tennessee come through, and or or even the Colts again, because like you say, even when they found a rhythm later on, it was more about reliability than big plays. It was right. more about they're actually, like you say, Juju had nine for ninety-six. But the bigger thing is, he caught nine passes. Like,
1: <laughs> like,
0: that's the bigger thing about it. Like, you were able to go to these guys and trust them to come down with the football, even if it was only for 10 yards, and move your way down the field. I can't, uh, it's hard for me to believe that after one week, they just gonna continue to not drop passes throughout the rest of the season. This is not gonna happen. And a passing game is what they are gonna have to rely on and able to move through the playoffs uh, along with that defense.
1: Well, it's definitely a tight fight in the AFC just as much as the NFC as these final playoff spots uh, go to winning teams. It's pretty much a scenario, like always, if you win, you win. Yeah. A lot of teams in the AFC and NFC find uh, themselves in that place. So uh, uh, it, was there any other games you wanted to talk about about the NFL? Uh,
0: I don't want to get too in-depth with them, but one I did want to speak on was the Rams and the Seahawks, man. Every week we get on here, and I tell you, we're all four teams in that division. Every time they play, it's a toss-up. Like I don't, yeah. you don't know what you're gonna get out of those teams, and that was a long, a very long, a very long twenty to nine game. That it happened. really was. Um, yeah. but besides that, I what what did you take from, um. Not last night's game. Sunday night's game, if anything. The
1: Titans and the Packers. Titans and Packers. Oh, that game got ugly quick. Um yeah. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like, <laughs> what was so crazy was, like, everybody was like, you know, if if, if you one of those guys that's into social media on a sports uh, platform, uh, you would see all the comments that most fans or just anybody can write. And everybody was just saying – Oh, they're going to run the ball. Aaron Jones, you know, uh, Henry's going to be looking to hit people in the mouth. It's going to be a crazy run game. And I kind of was like, yeah, but if you Evan Rodgers, you kind of used to this. You know, They Tennessee really don't have a great corner this year. Uh, uh, and Adams have, has been out of this world. And I'm like, they still going to take their shots. Yeah. Evan Rodgers, man, dink these people to sleep. Like, and
0: I, and I, and, it, it was, it's I was like every like everybody else. Once I saw the forecast, I was like, oh, this is a run game. This yeah. is gonna be a whole lot of Derrick Cameron, it's gonna be a whole lot of Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers had something different in mind. Yeah. Uh
1: yeah.
0: that game right I, there, that game for me, because I was still going back and forth on it, and I'm not that big of a fan of Aaron Rodgers, but that that's a, that's the MVP right there to me. Right. Sunday that that was the MVP. You mm-hmm. got it, bro. You,
1: you got it, you're giving it to him. You
0: you're still doing it, bro. You <laughs>
1: Uh, I think it was my friend Lando who I who I would talk to uh, before that game, and he was like, "I don't know, I, I I I don't see them throwing the ball." I'm like, "Man, if you, Aaron Rodgers, man, you still got something to play for because they still trying to wrap up the uh, the number one seed in the NFC." I'm like, "They don't." The last thing you want to do is get into a, a time possession match with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, Green Bay at some point want to go up double digits and then rely on the run. And like I said, the way Rodgers has been playing and Adams, Adams, have I don't know if you've been really checking him out this year or fans who listen to this podcast. If, if you guys have been following uh, the receiver position, this dude is is off the charts. I think he got 18 touchdowns this year, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure he's going to go for 20 uh, this this Sunday. Uh, but anytime you have a quarterback and a receiver that's that hot, you have to continue to give them the opportunities to do what they do every week. Yeah. Um, and they just relied on it way more than what I thought they would. I knew they would take some shots, yeah. but man, they came out there like wasn't nothing going on with the weather. They went up <laughs> real quick. <laughs> exactly. And
0: Tennessee, Tennessee had nothing for
1: them. Nope, not at all. So you, you, you said Evan Rogers is your MVP already? He's the MVP.
0: I because Mahomes is Mahomes is just as amazing. Like I don't want to ever, you know. Yeah. Uh, but man. But Aaron Rodgers to be yeah it's Aaron Rodgers I got I got to give it to him.
1: I think I got he got to. close to 700 more yards than what Patrick Mahomes has and a handful of touchdowns maybe more than Pat. Oh no, yeah. Pat has more touchdowns I think. Pat That's, has more.
0: Okay. I think I think the the crazy thing Sean brought this to my attention uh I think it was yesterday we was talking and he said that Aaron Rodgers um, one of his goals, I think, coming into the season, or maybe it's always been one of his goals, is to hit 500 touchdowns before he hit 100 interceptions. Mm. It blows my mind that he does, He hasn't thrown 100 interceptions yet in his career.
1: Yeah, that's I think crazy. He's at
0: 83 right now. That's, yeah, that's
1: absurd. Crazy. Yeah, he's about to, be, he's
0: about to get a five to one ratio. When it I
1: saw to- I saw something too. How many years he's been in the league so far? Sure.
0: He gotta be in year 14, maybe?
1: I was gonna say fifteen for some reason, okay yeah, fourteen right in there yeah, he only has two seasons with double digits interceptions and those double digits was like twelve and ten. yeah <laughs> that's impressive by itself. when you think about all the times he dropped backs to throw the ball to have that only two like that's crazy, man. Yeah, he's what a four to four touchdowns, five interceptions this season. Like that's okay. He got he. I think he got he got more than Mahomes. than he has more touchdowns than. He yeah, he's he
0: first in touchdowns. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. So, um, was that all? That's it for for NFL. The only thing that I have uh, is the odds for this um, Sunday.
0: I did want to just talk playoff scenarios too. Okay. So, since we are already there, um, the AFC you talked about it. It's a lot of win and you're in uh I think it's five teams um that's buying for basically four spots uh at this point. Um Pittsburgh is in. They can move they, from the yeah. they're either going to be the second seed or the third seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they locked up the second seed. No, 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 no. Yeah. To be second or third. They got a they uh that Buffalo Dolphins game is gonna be really important next week. Yeah. Uh but the Dolphins is one of those teams that has to win as well. They do. Um, and then you look at Cleveland. Cleveland has to win, and they're playing Pittsburgh. Uh, Tennessee, Pittsburgh Tennessee also
1: has to win.
0: Yeah, Tennessee uh, plays Houston, right? Yeah, Tennessee plays Houston. Tennessee has Houston. Um, I know Pittsburgh said earlier that they're going to start Mason Rudolph on Sunday, so that, that vies well for, for Cleveland as well in that matchup. Um, you got the Seahawks and the 49ers. Uh, if the Seahawks win, if the Seahawks win and Green Bay loses, we, we can lock and we win, we can uh end up with the one seed, correct? Um, don't know how Green Bay is really going to play next week. I'm quite sure I would bet that they come out full force, uh, yeah. Yeah, just this is, this to secure is... that they can lock up that number one seed against and, Chicago. Uh,
1: and I think Rodgers is going to want to secure the
0: MVP as well even though I feel like he just did that. (laughs) (laughs) This will will definitely give him another shot at it. And the Colts is another team that has to win uh, in order to be able to get into the playoffs. So there's definitely, and then Cowboys-Giants, I want to say, if the Giants win, I want to say they're in. No, no, if the Giants lose and Washington loses, the Cowboys actually get in. But if Washington wins, they're in. So that's gonna be interesting to watch as well. Um but yeah, it's it's always good to even at week six week seventeen, you actually have playoff implications and playoff spots up in the air. It definitely makes things uh more interesting. Interesting,
1: yeah. And and the NFL definitely did that on purpose, you know. That that's why they do it, to make sure teams are not resting mm-hmm. uh players this close to the year. Uh, they give you something to play for. And uh, speaking on that playoff uh, scenario in the NFC, I think the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the Cowboys if they win there in in the NFC. Uh, well
0: no Washington's still number one in that division.
1: If Wash so if Washington and the Cowboys both win, Washington Washington is in.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um and then of course, uh, I just I just saw a game that I had missed. The Cardinals and the Rams. That game, that game is important too. I think uh, Arizona needs to win that game in order to get into the playoffs, and if they lose, well, I think even if they win, they might need help.
1: Um, yeah, they, they're on the outside looking in uh, as of right now in the NFC.
0: Yeah, so if they win, I can't remember how their game against the, the their first game against the Rams went this season. I can't remember if they won or lost that game. Um, but if they won it, of course, if they win, and they're in because they hmm. would have swept the Rams and knocked them out of that spot. Uh, which both of those teams might go into Sunday with backup quarterbacks. We know the Rams will for sure with Jared right. Goff having his surgery yesterday. And they say Kyler Murray is dealing with a, a leg injury.
1: Hamstring, that yeah.
0: That might lead uh, lead them into that battle with the backup quarterback as well.
1: Mm-hmm. As of right now, the Cardinals sit at four-point favorites uh, for that game right now.
0: Yeah, and it's not even showing me none right now. Bleacher yeah. Boy. <laughs> I guess because the Kyler Murray thing is up in the air. Yeah. But uh, we can come back and do our eyes toward the, the end of the show, if that's what you want to do. Or we sure. can talk about the NBA real quick. Sure. Uh, with uh, Opening week taking off uh, last week. Uh, I want to say we talked about opening night last, last show. We were able to talk about opening night uh, with the Lakers and Clippers and then Milwaukee. And um, was it Milwaukee? No, it was Brooklyn. Brooklyn and Golden State. So, we did talk about opening day last week. Uh, The Christmas games, which I want to say, well, they had uh, another day of games before that. But the Christmas games, which ended up being uh, Lakers-Mavericks, Clippers-Nuggets, Nets-Celtics, Warriors-Bucks, Heat-Pelicans. So, my expectations going into Christmas Day was all of these games should be good except for one, which was the Bucks and the Warriors.
1: Didn't disappoint you.
0: The but honestly, I think two of these games were actually good, in my opinion. Um, even though the Lakers ended up beating the Mavericks by 23 for a while, that was a good game. Mm-hmm. And then the Pelicans and the Heat game, I really enjoyed that game early on too. Um the Nets Celtics game got out of hand early. Uh the Warriors Bucks game we already knew how that was going to go. <laughs> we already knew how that was going to go. And then Clippers-Nuggets, I didn't even finish watching it, to be honest with you. But uh, what was your opinions on that? Um, you know, of
1: course, I was pumped to see the Pelicans play on Christmas. Uh, the Pelicans, they problem stuck out to me like a sore thumb. They don't have a lot of ball movement in the offense, and they only get buckets from, to me, two players. Uh, J.J. Redick, he got it going early that he kind of kept them in it. But you can tell that the Heat were just a more in-sync team uh, all game long. Uh, they got a chance to rest their starters. Jimmy Butler said down for, for a long time, uh, him and Dragic. They got the rest because they went up so early. But yeah, uh, I, I love B.I. I think B.I. has a, vi- a bright future in the NBA. I just hate that once he touched the ball for the Pelicans, chances are he's shooting. They allow him to do a lot of isolation until he could put up a shot. And it it kept the game close in the second half by doing that, but in the first half he was off and it caused him to run the lead up. So um the Heat didn't do anything, you know, spectacular, but didn't miss in this in the first half pretty much. Everybody was hitting for for uh, Miami to, to start that game.
0: It, and it seems like the difference, well, see, this is what it seems like from what I've seen through what four games of the Pelicans, three or four games of the Pelicans so far, is their starting they're starting five is made up of Steven Adams and then four people who are streaky. Four people mm-hmm. like that. There, there are no Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe. All of them can put the ball in the basket, but none of them are going to do it for four quarters. Mm-hmm. Not four quarters every game. So it's real, it's real inconsistent. So, like you said, on Christmas, Brandon Ingram in that second half ended up getting the high hand, so you got to keep feeding him the ball. Right. But that's something that they're definitely going to have to figure out uh, going forward because, once again, like I said, these guys are streaky, whether it's Zion, Bledsoe, Ingram. It's only so much you can ask J.J. Redick to do because he can't right. really create his own shot. And Josh Hart... Um, Josh Hart is okay. You know, he's, he's okay. So, like I said, that's going to be interesting to see how they try to balance that out um, because one of these guys are going to have to become consistent throughout the season in order for the Pelicans to actually have a shot at, at making the playoffs.
1: True. The only other answer to that solution is if they actually play through Zion a little bit more. I don't believe his game is where it needs to be in order for that to happen. Mm -hmm. This is just something that they can do in the future. Uh, As of right now, uh, it's basically get rebounds or attack the basket, which he does at a a very high level already in the early stage of his career. He attacks the basket rootless, and I love that about his game. I love how he doesn't turn into the guy that, if he hit his first jump, okay, I'm gonna settle for a bunch of these jumpers. No matter if his jump is falling or not, You know, he finds a way to get to the basket. He finds a way to uh, create contact and get to the free throw line. And I think they're going to be all right in the future. But like you said, right now, somebody has to become has to be uh, more consistent in that lineup in order for them to be successful.
0: Absolutely. Um, So what else uh, across that NBA slate or in the NBA in general, have you taken from this first week of basketball? Um, KD is back. Um, he is
1: definitely back. I I know how great he is. I know how special he is. How how much talent he has. I just didn't expect for him to be back this soon. Yeah. I mean, he is making quick work of these games. I know they they suffered the loss. Uh, I think that was two days ago. But uh, to to the Hornets. But uh, he has taken off. I mean, he's if you look at his body of work, he's finishing with twenty eight and thirty and. All these high numbers and it's it's in 30 minutes or less. Yeah. So he it's not like he's lollygagging or they're in tight games. He's coming out early, establishing his dominance, getting everybody else involved, and boom.
0: And and the thing that really helps him, like helped well, like it helped a lot of young uh young stars that we saw in the bubble last year was that extra time off. Mm-hmm. Because of COVID having those months in between that gave him extra months where he didn't have to worry about basketball. He didn't have to worry about uh starting to get into training camp and stuff like that. He got extra months to really heal and get himself back going. And um the first the first game, the first time I saw him dunk, uh I was like, "Oh yeah, he's going to be fine." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to be fine. So, it, it's great to see him back, man. Uh Steph Curry had a great game uh a couple of days ago, which was funny cuz he uh there was a video of him uh, making 105 three pointers in a row. I
1: saw that from the side. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, my response to that video was, oh, he took them braids out. That's what it was. The braids. <laughs> He's going to go off now. <laughs> and that next game, he was able to go off. Um, I got a trick question for you. Okay. There are four teams who are currently undefeated in the NBA. I, I saw know Which one? <laughs> which one, in your opinion, has the best chance of actually making the postseason? So Ooh. these are your four teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Orlando Magic, the Indiana Pacers, and the Atlanta Hawks. They're all
1: 3-0. So I would normally say the Pacers in a situation like this, but I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to go the Al- Atlanta Hawks.
0: Okay. I think
1: Atlanta did a great job of bringing in um, – some guys that fit what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. and they have an elite score in uh, Trey Young. So uh, along with Rondo being a presence in that locker room, leading this young group of guys, teaching them what they need to do, how to be professional, uh, and having a guy in the locker room that have won multiple championships plays a big role. So I would have to go with the Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks.
0: And I agree. You know how I feel about Atlanta. I see them as – I was real big on them last year. Um and I am, again, this year, I think they can be a playoff team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, the addition of Rondo, to me, uh, to a lot of people, don't make sense at all. To me, I just saw it as a leadership move. I'm uh, <laughs> it, it, it's like a leadership move. I compare it to Chris Paul in Phoenix. Chris Paul isn't going to translate to them uh, becoming contenders in the West, but he's going to be able to teach uh, Devin Booker things about the game that he hasn't been able to get this far into his career. Mm-hmm. I see the same thing as Rondo being able to get in there with guys like Trey Young and be able to coach him up. Uh, and anything he gives you beyond that is is a bonus. I, I don't want to say last night I was watching. I think he knocked down four threes. Mm-hmm. So that that's a bonus if you're gonna give yeah. me two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm real big on the Atlanta Hawks, and I'm shocked you didn't go Indiana there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, today there's two games that's going to jump on on TNT. You got the Bucks and the Heat, and then you got the Pelicans and the Suns, which both should be good games, honestly. Uh, I haven't had a chance to actually watch Phoenix yet this season to see how it's looking with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, so those should be two really good matchups, the Bucks-Heat. It's definitely gonna be an interesting one after that series. Uh how they ended in the bubble last year.
1: Looking forward to it. Um,
0: yeah, that's, that's definitely gonna be a good one. Um, anything else on the NBA? Uh
1: that was pretty much it. That's all that I had. It's still early. Uh we still have a lot of uh teams that that's still building that chemistry. And, and uh we're gonna let the NBA season unfold.
0: Absolutely. Um, so let's look forward to week 17 of the NFL season.
1: It's a lot of games there. A lot of games that
0: mean something. And the NFL went ahead and they went ahead and fixed their flexed their schedule for week 17. Mm-hmm. So there'd be a lot of scoreboard watching in the afternoon. Um, but let's start with what we always start, the Saints and the Panthers. Uh, they're giving the Panthers six and a half? Yep, as they of right now. Six and a half. So what you got? Uh, I have New Orleans covering.
1: Uh, I have us making quick work of the Panthers come Sunday. Uh, we have something to play for. Drew's still hungry. Uh, the offense is still hungry. Defense is, is looking sharp. Carolina have their issues uh, at, the, at their offensive line uh, positions. Oh. And like we always say, even without Trey playing this past Sunday, uh, you still don't want to play a New Orleans defense right now, so um, I think Drew is is going to be sharp. This would probably be uh, one of the better games for him this season, given the fact Tampa Bay isn't a real aggressive defense. Um, I think they lead the lead in in um, in uh, first downs, allowing first downs. Uh, I know they don't get off the field on third down. They they're pretty much at the bottom of almost every defensive ranking there is. So uh, plan Drew Brees. And um, um New Orleans, the way we protect them, I, I have this being one of the easiest one of the easiest victories of this season for us.
0: I think this is a statement too. I think I think this turned into a statement game going into the postseason. I don't think Drew plays the second half. And if he does, I don't think he plays the fourth quarter. I don't I don't think it won't I don't think it'd be necessary. I think we get out uh ahead on this team and there is no looking back at that point. Um so, yeah, I'm I'm taking the Saints to cover as well. Um, I definitely think that, like I said, this this game gets away from Carolina early. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, there's no calling back. Uh, typically, it gets a yeah. team like New Orleans with how well our defense is and how well our offense has been playing. Yeah. Uh, so, which one of these playoff-implicated games you want to hit first? What's, what's your favorite one to look at? I will start
1: with the Eagles and Washington, only because the you know Cowboys, their team have so many fans, and yeah, it's it's crazy how after they won, my phone just lit up, a whole bunch of cowboy fans uh, all all on social media hit me. You know, (laughs) we in it it kills me that you know we go from hey this season don't count this whatever to we go going to the playoffs. Oh, oh let me do it how they do it. we go going to the playoffs. How about those Cowboys? That's what we get from them. So this, Eagle, this Eagles game, um, like you said, will mean a lot uh, with Washington because, like you stated earlier, if Washington win, they're in. Um, but Washington is playing a backup quarterback. And you yep. know Philly wanted and to play small.
0: Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. So
1: that's going to be very interesting because – if you Philly, do you let Hurts cook all game long? Do you let him fly around and be a playmaker and, and really trust him? And if you Washington, what do you do to give your O line a better chance to handle Philly's D line? As if F- Fletcher Cox, he's out, right? Yes, I think he's he out. So
0: out.
1: I mean, it's gonna start with protecting. Protecting. Uh, protect I'm sorry. I think he's questionable. So he's we'll questionable see. as. He a got
0: record. neck injury, so yeah. Got to be out. Uh,
1: so, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see you know how that game shape up because Washington is playing for something. So uh, I, Philly has yet to just allow hurts to be great. even this past Sunday, they did it. They took the ball out of his hands. yeah after, you know, his success that early. So I, I just would like to see how that game shape up and and which way which Washington team we get which Washington defense we get. that That's what I'm looking forward to see.
0: And I've been I've been big on Washington's defense all season, and uh, about halfway through, I started coming around on their offense. Uh, whenever Alex Smith started getting in there, and Antonio Gibson has been had balled out all year, yeah, and McLaurin had been won so. prizes of the year. Um, but those three guys are on the injury report for this week, so uh, Alex Smith uh, is questionable. Gibson is questionable. I think that I think they're. Pretty confident in having Alex Smith for Sunday. Um, McLaurin is doubtful. So mm-hmm. it just depends on how many playmakers Washington is able to put out on the field on Sunday. Um, I'm once again, I'm real big on their defense. I'm I'm not really concerned about Jalen Hurts being able to eat through their defense at all. But once again, if you keep putting your defense on the field. And your yeah. offense isn't able to get anything going. Eventually, you go that defense is going to wear down. Yeah. So, like I say, it really depends on the playmakers that Washington will be able to present on Sunday to if they'll be able to uh, squeeze out that victory and get them a home playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, and- taking a look at taking a look at it, what game do you see uh, that you find
0: interesting in? I was really looking forward to Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Okay. Until it was decided that Big Ben wasn't going to play, yeah. uh, uh, that that kind of ruined it for me. So I think um, it has to it has to be Arizona and the Rams. Okay, it, it has to be that game just because once again I said it earlier this show with the NFC West this season it's been a coin toss.
1: Like mm-hmm.
0: what, you never know what they're gonna look like from week to week, um, quarter to quarter, half to half. Like you just you just don't know. <laughs> and once again, we know for sure Jared Goff's not playing Sunday. Um, Kyler Murray, he's up in the air at this point. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly how that's going to sit out. I mean, uh, sit with him. And I think you you texted me the other day and asked, is Durant out of it because Jared Goff is hurt? Is it, Are they done with? And, man, they have so much talent on that offense. And it's hard for me to believe that even a backup quarterback that's been sitting under McVay and being able to be familiar with this offense uh, will go out there and perform much worse than the Jared Goff can on his worst days or even on his average days, which most days are average for him. Mm I It's hard to believe that um, that backup quarterback can't go out there and produce. Um and that Rams defense, they're going to do their part. right? They got, like I say, it shocked me when I saw it, but look, we're talking about one of the best defenses in the league. Yep. So I I trust the Rams, even if Kyler Murray is on the other side of that football, I trust the Rams to be able to defensively stifle uh, Kyler Murray and offensively be able to move the chains to where even if it's ending in three points, your defense is spending the bulk of the game on the field. And gotcha. I think that's enough for them to beat Arizona.
1: The game I thought you were going to go was Bills-Dolphins. Uh, that's the one I thought you were going to pick, uh, which also I think is going to be a pretty good game. Um, I, right now the Bills is actually uh, – they are giving up five at home to the Dolphins. Really? Um Yep, as of right my now. Mine's showing one and a half. One and a half—that's a big yeah. jump. I did pull these about noon today, so uh, yeah, it they, they do go back it and forth. And, and now
0: it's one and a half. So yeah.
1: So even one and a half uh, to the to the Dolphins. Uh, I definitely like the Bills in this game. I think the Dolphins' their issues obviously falls on the offensive end of the ball, and I don't like the way how they go back and forth with Tua and Fitzpatrick. Uh, as of right now. Um... And if you're going to tell me too is still your starter, I don't think overnight he's going to start seeing that, you know, okay, this guy has one step. You know, I have to make this ball. I have to, you know, throw this ball at this time. Yeah. I don't think he's going to learn that overnight. So one thing that the the Bills don't have issues, the position that they don't have issues, is that the quarterback position. They have their guy with, uh, with Allen, and he's balling. He put on the show last night against New England. So, um, He's
0: another- and I know this Dolphins defense is good. I'm sorry. I said Josh Allen is another guy who's found himself in the MVP discussion this year. Yep, definitely. And the Dolphins, their defense is, is very
1: good. I just feel like their offense is going to give the Bills more than enough chances to win this game.
0: And so, two things. The first thing is I actually like Brian Flores' uh, approach to the Tua to, uh, Fitzpatrick thing. Um mm-hmm. I think he's he's giving Tua enough uh enough leeway to go out there and and become better and put the team in a position to win. But he's wise enough to know that Ryan Fitzpatrick still in some cases gives him the better hand. And he's not afraid to Make that move instead of letting two a sink and let a game get away from them, especially mm. in a in a season where they're ten and five. You know, so mm. I actually like that he's brave enough to go ahead and pull his rookie uh, for a veteran who can who can lock up and still up games for him uh, down the stretch. Um, the other thing is Buffalo is in a similar situation as Pittsburgh. Once again, one of them will be the number two seed. One of them will be the number three seed. So I, I guess it really comes down to what kind of approach they take to resting players come Sunday. Do they go all out and just say, look, if we're going to treat this like any other week, or is it going to be, look, we're going to be the second or third seed. We need to kind of rest these guys because we're going to be up playing another game next week.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know? Um, But if if it's all go, this definitely will be an interesting game because like you touched on, Miami's defense has been – uh, really good this year. Uh I want to say if I'm not mistaken, they probably got the best uh cornerback duo in the league. Um, so that's re- that's really going to be uh interesting to see uh Stefan Diggs go up against that. Um but yeah, that that definitely will be a good game. I think I'd take Buffalo too. Uh if they're going in all and you know, if they're not if they're not resting anybody, it's hard for me to not take Buffalo. They, they're they on a roll right now. Right. Uh, I don't know if we, I want to say we were off air when we talked about it last week, but you asked me if I had to pick off of what I was seeing right then in the league who would be in the Super Bowl and I said Buffalo and Green Bay just because both of those teams have been rolling these past right. weeks weeks mm-hmm. uh, offensively and defensively, honestly. Yep, and just real quick about the tour situation,
1: I like how the coach is wise enough to, to make that pull before tour um, puts his team in a situation where they can't uh, come back and win or take control of a game. However, if I'm Tua, it's only so long before he tries to make one of those throws that he may not be ready to make now. Yeah. He know Fitzpatrick is on the other end. He's not cool with, with keep being benched. I mean, I know they say they have a great relationship and all that, but Just no quarterback – I'm sorry – I think that's what they're supposed to say. It, exactly. No quarterback wants to get pulled off the field to be replaced for any reason besides injury. Yeah. So you, you pulling this guy and I'm healthy, I'm good to go, is obviously because you think he could do something I can. And two, was accurate with the ball. I was uh, when about he got, to
0: say, it's not, yeah, even when he got a, pulled. it's not even a physical thing. Like, it's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick can go out there and, and make plays. Uh, with his legs. or right. It's not that he can do anything physically that Tua can't. It's just he's wiser. He's smarter. He knows right. uh, what throws he should be making and should not be making. And, and right. that's the only difference in that regard.
1: And I think that that's going to, at some point, whether it's this Sunday, next week, whatever, at some point, Tua is going to have to start making those throws, and he's going to start forcing himself to, to see guys uh, to be open is really not open. I, that's what I think, and Buffalo is the perfect situation for, for that to happen in.
0: And, and I wouldn't be shocked going into the postseason if Brian Flores makes a a hard decision on who his quarterback is going to be, instead of getting to a position, like, I feel like if if he feels like there may be a chance that he'd have to pull to it during the game, then you just roll with Ryan Fitzpatrick, instead of uh, having to make that decision two or three quarters into a game. So I think if I think if Tua starts that, that first game in the playoff, then mm-hmm. that's who he's riding with. Uh, I don't think there will be a Fitzpatrick sighting unless he gets hurt. I got you. Okay. Well, that's all that I had for
1: this upcoming week of football. Was there any other games that you uh, locked in on?
0: Not games, but I did want to bring something that we talked about off-air onto air real quick, which is the Carson Wentz situation. Um... It never ends. <laughs> <laughs> just, just because, and I, and I honestly do want our fans' uh reaction on it, too, because uh, I ha- I don't think I've talked to anybody but you about it so far, but the Carson Wentz situation where you've made this man, at that point, the highest-paid quarterback in the league, and not but a year later, you've benched him for a rookie quarterback. How do you handle that going forward? Um. And of course, my thoughts on it is, you're tied to him. What what do we say? Because we looked at some numbers Thank about a it. So thirty
1: thirty four million or so, thirty two, thirty four million next
0: for, year. So next season for sure, they're mm-hmm. looking at basically having to keep him, and then after that, they can sever ties with him, right? Right. Uh, and my opinion is, you got to ride with him for next year. Not as your starter, but you have to ride with him as at least your backup because of the money you've invested in him and the potential of, because this is something that they've been burned by over the past few years, your starting quarterback going down and you having to have somebody to replace them. Um, however you feel about what he has been this year, you still know what he was at one point. And right. there's nobody who's going to have a better grasp on your playbook and your scheme than him at this point. So mm-hmm. I feel like for $30 million or however much it is, he's worth keeping, even if he's riding the bench next season. But you feel otherwise.
1: And the only reason why I feel otherwise is because if you're the Eagles, do you feel like you can win this division next year. I feel like if they handle their situations, address their needs in the draft and free agency, Philadelphia can very easily be in, consider- in consideration to win this division next year. So, if you tell me that I have to keep Carson Wentz for one more year, pay him $34 million, and make him my backup, cool, is life is football, it happens. However, if you tell me that someone is offering me a third-round draft pick for Carson Wentz, I have to at least consider it because I'm trying to do what's best for the team. Come hell or hot water, Carson Wentz won't be here for the next two years. This third-round draft pick possibly can Third-round draft pick, like I told you, is a position that NFL teams they value that position. Mm-hmm. You can, st- you don't, you might necessarily don't get your franchise player in the third round, but you definitely can get a starting guard. You definitely can get a, a D tackle or a, a defensive end that may have slipped, or even a receiver. Philly has so many uh, linebacker. They have so many needs that they just can't turn a deaf ear to these draft picks. Or if they decide to take the third round draft pick and package it with their third round draft pick to possibly move up or or do whatever they want, get get as creative as they want to do with it. But it depends on the offer that I get for Carson for Carson Wentz. I'm comfortable having him as a backup, but if the if the right trade comes along, I wouldn't be heartbreak broken to move him.
0: And I, and, and once again, I'm not saying you can't consider the deal at all. I'm just looking at it like, as you say, if they are in contention to be able to win the NFC East next year, um, I feel like you're already in a position to where your team is pretty well off enough to, like, if you're in contention next season, your team's going to be well off for years to come under Jalen Hurts um, to be in contention to win the NFC East. So why let a Jalen a potential Jalen Hurts injury sink all of that? Because that's been that's been the case with them for what, the past four seasons? Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz twice. Uh, you're looking at Carson Wentz was hurt again this year. Um, mm-hmm. like your quarterbacks, I don't know if it's your training staff or what, but your quarterbacks are prone to injury in Philadelphia.
1: Well, if then that puts you right, right back at the current situation that you just was in. If you're telling me that Hertz go down, and I have to put Carlton. Coulson Carlton wins right back in. Then I'm, I'm feel. Fi- I feel as if I'm putting in a guy that's not as good as my starter, because that's the reason that Hertz is starter in the first place.
0: Well, that's it's what a backup quarterback is anyway. Somebody who's not as good as your starter. So of course that's what you're putting in. Yeah, but do you think at this point, this was also the, the your backup
1: wasn't signed or drafted to be the backup. Mm-hmm. Your your current backup lost his starting job mm-hmm. to the guy that was backing up him. So what I'm saying is, I feel as if if we have to play Carson Wentz, we already don't have hope in him because if so, he would still be the starter. So I feel whatever service they're going to get from Carson Wentz come next year, they there are other guys
0: that they can sign in free agency to to do the same. And I and I guess that depends on how you think they distribute the blame in Philadelphia. Do 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 they put 100% blame on Carson Wentz for the way he's performed this year, or are they saying, look, you didn't have your receivers for most of the year, the O line has been in shambles, Jalen Hurst is just more mobile than you, so he can he can do a little bit more to you. Do you? Uh, because I can see a situation where they go into next season with a revamped O line and saying, look, Carson Wentz is back being our starter.
1: I that would be so hard heartbreaking for Philly fans for to me Jalen Hurts and oh, everyone ja- in that organization be. because <laughs> I'm sorry I said for Jalen Hurts of course it would be yeah because you you say this we have to ask ourselves what considered us to even think about playing Hurts right now the lack of playmaking ability from Carson Wentz soon as Jalen Hurts arrived.
0: I was about to say, or is it the lack of mobility from Carson Wentz at this point? Whichever
1: one you want to say, Hurts was able to do something that Wentz wasn't, yes. and that's give this offense hope and give them life. They are scoring points early in ball games, which Philly haven't been able to do all year long. Soon as this dude get in, they're able to score points early. I mean, immediately they're able to score. Philly haven't had that luxury all year, no matter who was on the field. Longest Carson Wentz was on the center. No points was being scored. So he definitely have to shoulder a lot of this blame. A lot of people, when I was in Philly this year, a lot of people were saying the coach. And I'm just like, you ready to pull ways with your Super Bowl winning coach already? Like, to me, that's just a little premature. And now you look at the success that he's had with Hurts and all those talks have went away. They, they're they ready to give him the keys and make him the starter for next year and all this good stuff. But the way I look at it is is this. We we really, a lot of teams don't have tape on Hurts as well. So mm-hmm. all that has to, will get handled, you know, next off season and people would know how to game plan for Philly just a little bit more. Yeah. So you need at least two, four years before we can really evaluate if Hurts was a better choice than Carson Wentz. That's just to be fair to both guys, but yes, Carson Wentz has to take a lot of this. A lot of this blame. I would give him at least seventy-five percent, and the only reason why is the the turnovers. That has nothing to do with you throwing the ball to the other team and you losing all these fumbles, Carson Wentz. That has nothing to do with nothing. A lot of times, Philly have been in positions to make ball games. Uh, close all they need is a field goal and he's in situations where he know the only thing you can't do is take a sack or turn the ball over and he finds a way to do one of those things so he, he definitely have to take 75% of his blame
0: yeah and, and I disagree I can see where I can see where their management is looking at it and say look 50-50 we're gonna we're gonna say 50 of it is on you can like you say fumbles lost like fumbles that's nothing you can ever excuse I don't I don't care who you are or what position you play fumbles you can't excuse, but if you're telling me that your reasoning, you're telling me that their O line is shit, it's shit, it was shit at the beginning of the season and it's shit now. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Hurts is able to do more because he's more mobile and he's able to to evade more of that stuff, or he's able to get to the outside quicker and be able to you know perform more rollouts and stuff like that. So I could definitely see them saying, "Look, we're just going to revamp this offensive line." We're going to give Carson Wentz more time, and Carson Wentz will be able to be the quarterback he was before he got hurt. I can definitely see them saying, uh, buying into that, and I can't necessarily disagree with it either.
1: I feel you. It's one of those things that they definitely have a decision on their hands to make. However, when you look at guys like Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, guys of that caliber, when I think what, did, did – did, um, did Winston what he threw for it was right at 5000 or did he get 5000 last year
0: I don't think he got 5000 I think he right was right at five, five
1: but he had the 30 touchdowns 30 interceptions we all know that Cam Newton very limited bad old line Cam um Cam
0: nope. next who your next quarterback is Cam, stop Cam. It. so done. we go from we go we go from MVP and I Super Bowl good you know he <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> it is it is unprecedented, like you said. The man with the MVP just, uh, just a few, years, he done, bro. Right? He's done. Oh, it's over. Stop it. But and see, that's my
1: thing. When, when they fail, we say it's them. We really don't blame coaching. Even in Dallas, Dallas, the the lack of success that they've had last year and this year. You fire the coach, but them still them, them same players is there, and we still talking about the coach. No, it's the players. It was in house, and I feel like if this was was. In Cam's situation, in Winston's situation, we blame them as quarterbacks of their team because of the turnovers. Nothing is different with Carson Wentz. It's the turnovers. You have to show the most of this blame. And I, unlike you, I feel like, just like you feel like if you can definitely see a team, I would do all in Saints. If, lo and behold, we get a hold of Carson Wentz, I'm not going to be mad because I feel like under the right leadership... Yeah. Surrounded by the right guys, this can be an effective quarterback in the NFL. He could be very service- serviceable, and we could win games. But I feel that way with Cam Newton. If you give, if you protect Cam, Newton – stop it. Sid. If you protect Cam, what?
0: What has Carson Wentz done in his career that makes you say he, he d- can be Cam- better than Cam Newton? Is not a good passer of the football anymore. He was never great, mm-hmm. but he was he was he was decent. He was good enough. I can you give you that. I can with that. that When you combine that with his legs, he's mm-hmm. absolutely a threat. He's an MVP. If right. he's not turning the football over, he's mm-hmm. not a good, pa- he haven't. I'm not gonna say he's not, he has not been a good passer of the football this year. Okay, so if I'm basing it off of what I'm seeing. This year, he's not a good passer of the football. Thank over. you. Thank
1: you. And that's 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 what I was getting at. But you you basically put it there. It's what that like I said with Carson Wentz. If you surround him by the right individuals and and, the, and good leadership and coaches, I think he can still be something. And I said I, I can see the same thing with Cam Newton. You said he
0: wasn't a good pass passer the football this year. The man got me and you playing receiver, bro. No, see, that's not what I'm talking about when I say good. I'm talking about when I'm watching this man, just like Taysom Hill, when we talk about his mechanics, mm-hmm. he just don't got it no more. Oh, like, Cam never had mechanics. Yeah, yeah. But it, they're worse now. Like he didn't have any room for them to get worse because once again, we just said he was a decent passer of the football. He can yeah. make most He can make most of the throws you want mm-hmm. him to make. He can't no more. I don't care who he's throwing to. He hasn't Man. even been able to put the ball where it needs to be in order for a receiver to make a play on it this year.
1: When a receiver has little to no separation, there won't be nowhere to go with the football and put
0: <laughs> like i say, i yeah because rather, look look, look rather, at this point i'd rather stick with taysom hill than to move Ooh. to a campus and you know how i feel about taysom hill. i would rather stick with taysom hill than to, because because to me that's a lateral movement at this point Jeez. that's lateral movement
1: wow yeah i definitely know how you feel about this one lord yeah i definitely know it ain't even no reason to continue <laughs> with this one after that statement. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah, I definitely wanted to let our fans in on the the Carson Wentz uh, situation. Well, next week we might dive into the Taysom Hill one. But yeah. for this week, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely wanted to get the fans' opinion on that one. So uh, I'm definitely looking for feedback off of that.
1: But, yeah, uh, definitely. We'll definitely uh, throw something out there And for all our listeners uh, We continue to thank you guys for listening And like Sid stated We definitely want to hear your intake on it See which way you feel Will suit the Philadelphia Eagles best If they should ride with Hurts Or rebuild and give Wentz another crack at it
0: Absolutely And uh, that's it for this week We will get back with y'all again next week Same time man Alright Sid, be good my boy